welcome to a special episode of the Irish NFL Show. As we get closer to this big weekend, the opening weekend of the NFL Playoffs World Card Weekend, and we're delighted to have a special guest on the show this week, a former uh, guest on the show, returning again, um, a big name, Scott Pioli, who has been involved in the league for numerous years, well, former GM within the league, assistant GM, and numerous NFL executive roles, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, three times... Um, um, three-time executive of the year for pro football writers and Sports Illustrated. Scott, you're very welcome back to the Irish NFL show. It's great to be back, guys. It's been too way too long. Let you guys maybe forgot about me, or maybe I did something wrong last time. Great to be back <laughs> with you. Seriously, it's great. Not, not at all. We are always delighted to welcome you to the Irish NFL show, uh, Scott. Your your knowledge of the the league is is phenomenal, and as Brian has said, you know you have that um, direct front office experience. I'm kind of interested, and in I know you touched on this a little bit on um, Good Morning Football during the week, but to, if we look at the last weekend and the Texans Colts game, and that you look you look at what happened, Lovey goes out there, he's I, I would, and part, this is me speaking, I think the, you know, the, the, the last two Texans had coached them in d- difficult positions and both have done reasonably well. The Texans are playing pretty well down the stretch, been a, a little bit unlucky. They go out and they get the win, but Lo- Lovey loses his job. Fans are unhappy that they don't have the number one pick. I understand it from fans' perspective a little bit, right? Because fans will look at it and fans will say, well, look at the Jags. They got Trevor Trevor Lawrence. The Jets got Zach Wilson. One of them's in the playoffs. The other isn't. But from from your experience, from a front office perspective, Scott, how do you balance like the future of the franchise? with You, you can't punish a head coach for winning, surely. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. We'll follow up from what I spoke about in Good Morning Football, which was, my point is that you're always trying to win and you should allow the coach to try to win. You should never, nothing that you should ever do should advocate losing a football game because there's a lot of people involved here. Every single player that's out there, you are asking that player to give up their body, their mind, their soul, everything that they have to win every single week. And if you all of a sudden change the direction of what you're trying to accomplish, you're not being fair to the players. You're not being fair to the fans. You're not being fair to the coaches. You're not being fair to the families that are involved with all these people who might potentially lose their jobs. And th- this thing is so deeply layered. And I, you know, I've seen some of the commentary in terms of, well, Trevor Lawrence was one and Zach Wilson was number two. Well, the reality is Aiden Hutchinson wasn't number one this year, and I'd like to have him in, uh, on my team. The, the thing is this. This is going to be a very good draft. The Texans have a lot of needs. There's a lot of good players in the draft. So it's not necessarily where you pick. It's what you do with the pick. Again, I go back to some of our picks when I was with the Patriots and even when I was with the the, the Chiefs and with the Falcons. I mean, heck, we got Eric Berry at the number five pick overall. We got Richard Seymour at the number six pick overall, and he's going to get a gold jacket and go to the NFL Hall of Fame. This year in particular, there isn't, a far away at this point number one pick that's going to be a franchise changer and even if there was you can never tell your team that it's okay to lose because as you're, you you mentioned it's the future the future is setting a culture that is all about winning and that everything that you do is going to be about winning football games because to ask players to take their 
you know, to, to step aside or to take their foot off the gas in the middle of a season is a bad, re- well, we, we could go on for hours as to why that's a, why that's a bad idea. And I understand the sexy of the number one pick or having a higher pick, but again, it's not necessarily where you pick, it's what you do with the pick. And people will argue, well, Trevor Lawrence would have never been available, but you know what? Tom Brady was available in the sixth round. And I, I know that's overstating it. It's what you do with your picks. But to to advocate or say it's okay to lose, I, I, I am not on that boat at all. Scott, uh, last week the league was in a difficult position because of the circumstance of what happened in Cincinnati on that Monday evening. And there was a few scenarios playing around around what the league would consider doing. There was a kind of... A, Every conversation, which was immediately ruled out around potentially having an eight seed, both on the NFC and the AFC, but it's allowed people to kind of come back to this conversation whether we really should have a seven seed. This is okay, we're two years in now, and the two games this weekend, the second seed and the seventh seed, they seem to be on paper look quite one sided. You've got the 49ers against Seattle, and obviously, with the news that two won't play, it looks quite one sided in the Bills Dolphins game. Where do you where do you sit on this? Should we can look? I understand the league are trying to grow the game and they want more games and fans want more games in the playoffs in particular. But is it is it what the right thing? Should we consider going back to six or where do you sit on that? You know, I'm going to respond to this. I'm going to sound like the old man to kind of get off my lawn. Um, I do like the way that things were before that, before this, quite honestly. Um, but I also understand the business model. You know, one of the things is, is when you work in this game and then you are blessed to get the benefits of working in this game, you do have to understand the economic model. And the truth is, this model, when they added an extra team, had a lot to do with economics. It allowed for one more team in each conference to have access to the playoffs, which meant more fans, more television, more television revenue, just more. I can go through the list again of all the reasons that it generates more revenue, but it also generates more interest. To me, I think that there's this very delicate balance between making sure that you don't add so many teams that you're watering down the importance of the regular season and how important it is to win those regular season games to be one of the top six teams or seven teams. And um, again, this is one of those things where, you know, my primary background is as a football person. When I became a general manager, I learned much more about the business. I understand and respect both points, but I always go back to um, my football instincts, which was, again, really enjoying it the way that it was, where becoming a playoff team really is something that is is so much more difficultly earned, if that makes any sense. And you touched on there the importance of winning regular season games, and who would have thought on October the 2nd, Seattle winning in Detroit essentially would be the game that dictated which one of which one of those got the seventh seed yeah it's it's interesting you know it's it's the way this game is and the way that the fan reactions there's it's there's this recency bias right people focus so much on what's happening at the end of the season forgetting that winning games in the beginning and the middle of the season is very important it's like when you watch a game so many people look at a game and say oh did you see what happened in the last five minutes or the last two minutes and say the game was won or lost there. And I understand that point, but what you do earlier in the game or in the middle of the game is just as important. 
you know, turnovers early in the game that allow scores to happen or penalties early in the game that stop drives. Um, to me, that's why we always talk about from, from the perspective is, you know, 60 minutes, the game is 60 minutes. So you have to play the whole game, not just the end of the game, but make sure you set yourself up well at the beginning and the middle of the game. The season is the same thing. You have to pay attention to how important those games are. And you can't, you know, we also saw teams this year that got out to a really fast start, right? That happens every year. Teams get out to a fast start and people want to make their midseason predictions and, and change their Super Bowl picks based on the midseason or make their midseason all-pro team. And that's never made any sense to me because what we always talk about in this game is the emotional, physical, and mental endurance to play over the course of an entire season, longevity and and it is just so important for this game. It's one of the hallmarks of this game, quite honestly. It's the teams that stay healthy over the course of the season. So it's um, the entire season matters, just like an entire game matters. And I, I totally agree with your first point, Scott, in relation to the playoffs. And sometimes you can have too much of a good thing. I, I think FIFA, uh, the World Cup, um, they might uh, regret going to 48 teams. It makes it maybe that little bit big. But listen, we, we will see. I, I want to kind of maybe build a little bit in terms of what we were talking earlier, in terms of the future. And again, drawing on your experience as a GM, because this is a really interesting time for teams who are in the playoffs, right? Because obviously that's where your focus is going to be. Um, but you know, there. I think you know. Um, you think back to the last year, and the Rams added Eric Weddle. I know the Giants had a player, Brian, uh, who played this Sunday, uh, Jared Davis, who came off the practice squad. So you're 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 tinkering still, and you're trying to make the best and and go as far as you can. But at the same time as trying to get yourself to the Super Bowl, you got to have one eye on what Jim Nagy is doing down there in Mobile. And you got to think about like what you're going to do in the, the off season and contracts. How do you juggle all of those things, Scott? Well, that's why there's a, such an important division of labor within football organizations. And, you know, that even existed. You know, I know a lot of people think that head coaches um, are, are are involved and some are involved in the draft, but there needs to be people that are taking care of the team. I begin, I go back to our time at the Patriots. In all those years that I was there, we won those three Super Bowls. We went to four during that decade I was there. And while Bill was preparing the team for the playoffs, there's not a whole lot that I would do for my role. However, I was preparing us for free agency. I was preparing for the draft. I was taking care of the December draft meetings, taking care of the January draft meetings, taking care of the preparation for the uh, for the Indy Combine, the Senior Bowl, the East-West Bowl. All of these things are part of the important part of the process. This way, I was running all those meetings and doing all of that work. Bill's taking care of the product that's going to get ready for Sunday. Now, if we needed to make tweaks in our in our roster, that was my job as you know the the personnel person, vice president of player personnel, and or the general manager, whatever you want to call that title. And what you do is you make you have to take care of the now, but you have to take care of the future as well. I can't do what coaches do, so. I spent, when I had to spend time on taking care of the roster during the playoffs, when we had injuries, when we had to move someone up from practice squad or, or sign someone from what we call as a street free agent during that time, that was my job. If players get hurt during the playoffs, you have to have workouts and tryouts. 
But Bill has so had so much to do. Every head coach has so much to do in terms of getting their team ready for the game. They can't even be thinking about the draft preparation. That's where the personnel department comes in. Now, even if you have a head coach or coordinators that are heavily involved in your draft decision-making, you have to have done all the work before to prepare. So in those years when you know we went to the Super Bowl, the head coach would all of a sudden show up in the middle of February. There needs to be a ton of work done because the draft is in April. So that's why you have a division of labor. That's why you have people doing a lot of different jobs. The head coach has to oversee the game, but without work from good offensive coordinator, a good defensive coordinator, a special teams coordinator, he can't manage the entire game, which is what he's supposed to do. So again, I, I've said a number of times here, there's a division of labor within every organization that, that's critical. And there's no one coach that I know or one person that's even capable of doing it all. Scott, you, you've shown a great passion for the International Players Pathway Program. I know you were in London a number of years ago when you came over to watch the, the, the players compete for that week in between the two London games. Uh, we saw even recently David Ballard being you know, activated to the, to the players um, within that weekend for, for the Washington Commanders. Have you, are you surprised how much it's evolved so quickly in terms of players getting their opportunity quite quickly, you know, in terms of moving from the program into potential practice squads and then ultimately getting their opportunity within the league? Well, I don't know if I'm surprised because I wasn't sure. I, I managed my expectations through this because I had seen how the NFL tried to grow the game globally previously through the World Football League, through NFL Europe, and how that model had some minor successes. But truthfully, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, in the majority of ways, it failed because we weren't delivering the game to people that were international. We were bringing the product internationally. But the way that this model is set up now, where we're trying to uh, find, scout, identify international players, players that, that are not from the United States or not American, um, and then finding them and developing them and then bringing them to programs. I love this model, the way it's being done right now. And even this model, the way that it's been, there's going to be some changes. I can't get into all the details, but there's going to be some changes in the model that we have right now because I think what we found out the last couple of years with the International Combine, if we were in London again this year, in between the two Tottenham games, when we brought the players for the Combine and those from that group of players, we take anywhere between 10 and 15 players that we identify, okay, they've got the skills, they've got the tools, they've got the makeup as people that we like we're going to send them to this off-season academy, which we're getting ready to do. Players report at the end of January. They'll be down at the IMG Academy in Florida, and we will train them football specifically, morning, noon, and night for three months. And then we will have a workout, and players, those players will hopefully somehow, either some will get drafted or some will be assigned to teams. And this model is so much better. Um, but I think one of the things that we've identified is we're getting players that are a little bit older. And when I say older, they're they're still young, but they're older from the developmental standpoint for NFL teams. If they're getting a 25-year-old player who has incredible ability, but is just learning football for the first time. To me, one of the greatest things that's happening is because the game is growing internationally, one of the great things that's happening is there's so many young players that are, that are leaving after high school and being scouted by college teams and playing college football. I think this last year, I think the number was 309 international players 
who were playing in college football, who football who were truly from other countries. So now they're developing in the college program and will eventually become, you know, have a chance to become pros. The it, it's like anything. You set up a model, you start to let it run, but then you have to stand back and say, okay, this could be better, this could be better. Let's adjust things here, let's pivot here. So I'm enjoying the heck out of this program. And it's it's truly um I think I've mentioned this before. The the best part of the international program to me is when I get to meet the young men and even the young ladies that are working in the game and helping and assisting us either as coaches or as scouts or trainers is their goal is the NFL and a lot of NFL players here in the United States have gone through years of entitlement in terms of getting a football scholarship, having the game paid for. And when you go to different countries and you see and you find people who not only have to pay for their equipment, but pay to play. The gratitude that I see from the players, from the coaches, from all the individuals in terms of just getting an opportunity to be in the NFL is just, it's, it's, it's humbling, but it's heartwarming as well. And make, makes me think back to the reasons I fell in love with the game as a boy. You made an interesting point there about um, going to the college model. There was two Irish players who were undrafted free agents um, last April. Um, an Irish kicker, he was picked up by the Chargers, and then there was an Irish punter picked up by the Saints, neither of which made the, the full squad come the start of the season. But it's it's interesting you say that because we do see examples of that, you know, taking place as well. And it's happening, you know, There, there's been in the past in the NFL international players that have been punters and kickers specialists. And what we're finding out, though, there are international players that are good quality athletes, again, with a little time of development, can play any position in the National Football League. Scott, we're at a time of the year and we just talked about the, you know, the focus that um, head coaches will, will have uh, uh, in terms of the playoffs. And obviously the coordinators will have that as well. But with the way in which things have been tweaked, um, teams can request interviews. And yes. again, kind of interested in your, you know, having been in the, the front office and like, what, how, how would you, how do front offices handle that? How do coaching staff handle that? Because obviously as a head coach, you want your guys to be totally focused. And I'm sure they, they try to be, but you can't, like if you're a, an offensive coordinator and all of a sudden a team wants to talk to you about a head coaching gig, you know, as with, with the best will of the world and with all the focus, it's got to be there just knowing just a, just a little bit. And how how do you handle that? Like, because, you know, for, for fans and for the head coach, they want you focused. And I'm thinking like the Eagles, I mean, both of their guys are in, in demand, got to Nico Ryans, but it's it's across the, the league and it, it is something that, you know, for for teams, it, how do you how do you handle that? Yeah, it's. It's been something that's that you've had to contemplate forever, and there's there's never going to be a perfect solution. Uh, we change the rules at different times, but to, to ask people to not be human it, it is is impossible. And I think some people are better than other people at compartmentalizing uh, what they've got going on and what they're doing. And you, you know, I've been fortunate where I, I've been around situations and circumstances. I go back to the year that we won a Super Bowl 
and both uh, Charlie Weiss had committed to Notre Dame. He was our offensive coordinator, and Romeo Cornell was going to the uh, the Cleveland Browns. They knew they were going. We knew they were going. They focused on the task at hand. They did an incredible job, and you know, again, they they weren't distracted in any way. I've been in other situations where it hasn't been that neat or that tidy, and um, I don't think that people should be criticized for that because, again, it's human nature. And I think you you step aside from the football world. Um, you you look at any industry, any Fortune 500 company, there's people that are looking, going from one job to the next for a promotion. And what ends up happening for all people um, who are trying to move forward in life, there's um, there's this conflict and they will sometimes have to, or they will, I don't know if they have to, but they will sometimes unintentionally end up compromising the task at hand. And again, I don't think it's unique to football. It's on a stage uh, because it is football, but I have been around plenty of people who've been so committed because they understand the gravity of, they maybe know that they're going to get that other job or have a chance to get that job, but they also know that there's this obligation to their, the coaches that they're friends with to the players, to their families. And um, again, there's never going to be um, a a perfect way to set this up. There isn't. And I think we just need to pay attention to it as a league, which we do, and we continue to change rules. And and I think that's one thing, you know, you sit back and you look at situations like this, and so easy for people to find something that didn't go well or isn't going well and criticize it but you know, a lot of people come to the table with what the problem is. Very few of them come up with what the best solution is and a solution that works. Scott, the unique thing about the NFL every year, it's one season is very different to the next. And this weekend in, in Wildcard Weekend, we have five teams playing that weren't in the playoffs last year. There's a, a freshness to this weekend already with the Giants and the Jaguars, for example, back in the playoffs. What Any particular games which really intrigue you this weekend ahead of the the big three games in each conference? I don't think that there's, it's playoff time. So to me, there's not any one of the games that, that particularly intrigues me because it's, I love this time of the year because it's, you know, you win, you're in, you lose, you're out. So to me, when you have a situation and circumstance like this, every single game that's played is you've got to win. It's a must win situation. So um, but to your point, I love the idea that there's a freshness to it. I think we'll see a similar thing next year with a couple of other teams that are on the cusp um, of, of, of getting to that next, getting to the playoffs. And then there's a couple of teams that, you know, like last year, you know, you have the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams who who did it. And a year later, um, there's a number of teams that have done things similar to what they've done, maybe not to that magnitude or public magnitude, but they've jumped in all in and sometimes you know that that can cut both ways. So I love the idea and the way that the league is set up and structured where we try to get this, I don't know if it's true parity, but certainly where there's enough interest uh, or, or, or enough in the rules that can generate interest amongst teams that, that aren't good. You know, I go back to our, our Patriots team in 2000 where we were 5-11. and 11. We started out was one and three the next year and they were putting four sale signs on mine and bill's lawn and we ended up that season winning you know going on a roll and winning a super bowl I mean, that 
that's part of the beauty of this game um, and truthfully other games. We love to see when the unexpected happens. And Scott, I think one of the other kind of really beautiful things and interesting things about the NFL is the constant evolution. And then um, I suppose I'm interested in getting your take. One of the things that I think we have seen recently is in terms of that transition from college to the NFL. And one of the positions where traditionally it took a bit of time for players to, to, to really find their feet was cornerback. Well, all of a sudden over the past few years, um, the guys coming in are playing incredibly well. I'm thinking Patrick Sertain, who just got named by his fellow pros as the, the number one cornerback in uh, in the league. I'm thinking Sauce Gardner. I'm thinking Tariq Woolen. Um, in terms of like that um, transition and into the, because the, you would have seen that, a bit around that, um, what is there a reason why all of a sudden, you know, in terms of cornerbacks in particular, a position that is so difficult because you've got to do everything. Why has have these guys been able? Is it just that these guys are so good or, or is this a trend that might continue? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, again, I always I mentioned earlier recency bias and and not only am I an old man, but I, I believe in the history of the game and I, I think that this has more to do with how good these players are. Because if you go back in the history of this game, this isn't the first time that this has happened. Um, and again, I, I, I was one of those people growing up, I spent a lot more time watching football and NFL films and, and things like that growing up than I did doing my homework. Um, but you know, you go back, I mean, Deion Sanders made a pretty strong impact when he came into the NFL. Rod Woodson made a strong impact when he came into the league. Um, I, I think what happens is when we see certain things happen, we have this tendency to want to jump on that it's a new trend in the league. But I always ask people, when you, when you start to see something that looks like a new trend, do yourself this beautiful favor. This game is so wonderful. There's been so many people over the last 100 plus years that have given to this game. We're all standing on the shoulders of giants, truly. And when you go back and you look at some of the prior players in this league, you can find that there were times and periods in the game um, that that this was possible. But to answer your question, I think it goes back to the unique abilities of these the, the players that you mentioned. Um, but we have seen things like this similarly before. I just wanted to touch on Mike Tomlin. Final question from, from me, Scott. Mike Tomlin for for an hour's part of this season looked like he was going to end the season with his first ever losing record. Yet they, they managed to turn around and they need his he hit the seventh seed similar to the way last season ended with Big Ben and Kenny Pickett obviously came in very late in the season. Were you how impressed were you by the fact the run in which they went on towards the back end of the season? And unfortunately it just didn't work out for them in the end. Yeah, you know, I I I can't be objective on this because I love and respect Mike Tomlin. And I just think he's a terrific football coach. And um, the fact that he has, again, never been below 500, you think of the accomplishment that that is in the number of Hall of Fame coaches, right, that are out there, including Bill Belichick, who, you know, who have these seasons that fall below 500. It's really, um, if you, pause and drill down on this and the 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 magnitude of of that accomplishment and as you mentioned with quarterback changes and with 
the injuries that they've had. They played without, you know, without TJ Watt for a while this year. They played, you know, they Najee Harris was injured. Somehow, some way, he finds a way. And I think what it has to do with is he's one heck of a football coach and doesn't get enough, in my opinion, um, you know, this point has come up the last couple of years at the end of the season, and um, it, it really is a remarkable accomplishment. Scott, we want to thank you again. We always love having you join us. We love seeing you on our television screens or on our mobile screens. The uh, the clips on, on Twitter are absolutely fantastic. Your analysis, your insights that you consistently bring are always appreciated. Um, we want to, to wish you continued success for 2023. And hopefully we can maybe welcome you uh, back on during the, the off season and maybe as we look back or uh, towards uh, free agency and ahead to, to the draft and uh, just all, all the best. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Next time I'm on, I'll make sure I've got a better location here. This hotel room in, uh, in Phoenix isn't really doing it. So I'll have a much better background and better lighting and, and all of it for you. So thank you for having me. Truly, I genuinely appreciate it. We, we got to do it in Ireland the next time, Scott. Hey, sign me up. I'm waiting for that plane ticket. <laughs>